Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really um, appreciate your presence and your time taken to support me and my podcast. I hope you are having a great day and a great weekend ahead. I know I said I'm supposed to be on a holiday, which I am going to be on but uh, I found time to record a double podcast today, Friday, should I say Thursday, and I will be posting this on, on Friday, so by the time you get to hear this podcast, it will be Friday evening or Saturday morning. So uh, in the meanwhile, I will um, yeah, absolutely record this podcast uh, today and hope you have time to to read this going forward. Um, I was supposed to do another podcast but um, I thought I fell upon something and I thought maybe I should read it to you. Um, It is an article in mynation.com and uh, the title was The Architect of Modern India, Jawala Nehru's 13 most 13 worst blunders. So we all know about Jawaharlal Nehru, uh, first prime minister. He did certain things were, were great, certain things were not great. Not everything is negative, not everything is positive. It is important for you to know everything. And one side will tell you one, one side will tell you the other. And for 75 years, they have covered up on his blunders. And that's why they're going hate speech, hate speech, hate speech, Islamophobia, intolerance, because they know that in the 60 years, 50 to 60 years that the Indian National Congress has uh, has um, uh, ruled India, they have made many blunders, they have con- covered it up, but there's no way that they can protect themselves now if they're not in power. And uh, if real democracy takes place and we really start having a conversation, they have no way to protect themselves. And so they're going, they're using the minorities, they're using Muslims, they're using Christians, they're using everyone to protect themselves and all the intolerance, the disturbance of the social fabric of society. Yes, we know uh, this is their their agenda to cover up for their tracks. Uh, but it is time to talk about this and and not to to uh, you know uh, play the us versus them. But it's important to note what he did, and so we cannot correct it because it's too late. But uh, to understand the, the 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 place where we're going to and how we can change the future. So year thirteen are. Uh, of Jawaharlal Nehru's Worst Blunders, written by Mr. Abhijit Chowda. I think you know him. He's got a YouTube channel, or should I say he's on, on Facebook and he's on YouTube. Very often at chittimedia.com. Um, and, and Abhijit is, you know, he has a great point of view. Doesn't all You don't always have to agree with him, but he is great. And my dear friends, uh, do access it, mynation.com. Uh, and I'm going to read to you 13 of the worst blunders of, of uh, Nehru. So Nehru became India's first prime minister, thanks to Mahatma Gandhi, who armed to the Congress to accepting him over the immensely popular and capable Sardar Wallabai Patel. The Congress Party's dynastic lackeys like to call Nehru the architect of modern India. Um, the claim, ironically, is true. Nehru is responsible for the lion's share of the problems that India has inherited from the 1940s 
through the early 1960s. Let us take a brief look at Nehru's blunders, which went a long way in shaping the India we know today. So creating the Kashmir issue. Nehru single-handedly created the Kashmir issue that weighs India down to his day, firstly by refusing Jammu and Kashmir's ascension to India when it was offered in September 9th, September 1947. Secondly, by accepting it only if the un unconditional ascension was made temporary and conditional. Thirdly, by preventing the Indian army from liberating the whole of uh, Jammu and Kashmir from Pakistani invaders at the end of 1948. Fourthly, by needlessly internationalizing the issue and lastly, by engineering, despite opposition from Patel and Ambedkar, article uh, 370 in Article 35A of the Indian Constitution that gave special status to the state. 2. Refusing the Khan of Kalat's offer to accede to India. In 1947, the Khan of Kalat, in a princely state of Balochistan, opted to join India uh, rather than Pakistan. He sent Nehru signed ascension papers that officially made Kalat a part of the Union of India. Nehru, for reasons best known to him, rejected Kalat's ascension and returned the ascension, ascension papers to Khan, paving the way for Pakistan invasion and annexation of Balochistan. My dear friends, yes. That is the India we uh, unfortunately live in um, that has um, resurrected and, and pampered one man who is responsible for uh, a brutal invasion of Balochistan through his negation of signed ascension papers of Kalat, of the princely state of Kalat. The third is the obstruction of Sardar Wallabai Patel's plan to liberate Hyderabad from the murderous Nizam. After India's independence, Hyderabad's Nizam refused to accede to India and unleashed a private army of over two lakh Razakars on the state of Hindu subjects, massacring at least 30 to 40,000 people by conservative estimates. In response, the Union Home Minister Sardar Patel decided to liberate the state using military force. Pandit PM Nehru opposed the plan and tried to scuttle it. He insulted and humiliated, calling him a complete communalist in a meeting. Patel went ahead against Nehru's best efforts and launched Operation Polo that liberated Hyderabad. Um, that, my dear friend, <laughs> was Nehru. Number four on the list, gifting Manipur's Cabo Valley to Burma. The lush, fertile, and resource-rich Cabo Valley, which measures 11,000 square kilometers, has been part of the Kingdom of Manipur at least as far back as 1450, according to historical records. After the British annexed Manipur, they released the valley to Burma in 1834 in consultation with the Maharaja Gambir Singh of Manipur. In return, Burma paid the Kingdom of Manipur Sikha rupees uh, 500 monthly as compensation, with the clear stipulation that Manipur retained the right to reclaim the land any time. The compensation was paid until Manipur became part of the Union of India, at which point it became incumbent upon the government of India to reclaim the land. However, instead of reclaiming the territory, Nehru gifted it, Bur it to Burma in 1944. What a fool this man was. I mean, God, I can't believe I call him Chacha Nehru. 
gifting the strategically located Cocoa Islands to Burma. The Great Cocoa Island and the Little Cocoa Island from the northmost part of the Andaman Archipelago. India's former Defence Minister George Fernandes revealed that Prime Minister Nehru gifted these islands to Burma after India's independence. Subsequently, Burma handed them over to China, which was established an ex- which has established an extensive electronic surveillance station on the larger islands to keep an eye on India's military and natural activities in the Bay of Bengal, giving it crucial strategic advantage in India's backyard. Hostility towards Sardar Patel's restoration of the Somnath Temple. After India's independence, uh, Union Min- Home Minister Sardar Walamai Patel pledged to rebuild the Somnath Temple that was last destroyed by the Mughal deposit, the uh, Mughal invader Ar- Aranzib. Nehru posed the project tooth and nail, and terming it as Hindu revivalism because Nehru was a Marxist. Despite Nehru's hostility, the strong will Patel completed their restoration. When President Rajendra Prasad was invited to inaugurate the temple, Nehru advised him to disassociate himself with the event in the interest of preserving the secular fabric of India's republic. Prasad too ignored Nehru's advice. Thank God for him. Rejecting American and Soviet offers of a permanent seat of India at the UNSC. In 1950, soon after India's independence, the United States offered India a permanent seat at the United Nations Security Council. Prime Minister Nehru rejected the offer, saying that he would not accept any offer that came at the cost of China. In 1955, the U.S. repeated the offer in tandem with USSR, a rare uh, instance of agreement between the Cold War enemies. Nehru again rejected the offer, insisting that priority be given to China instead of India. Nehru ensured that China got a permanent seat at the UN at the expense of India. Today, thanks to Nehru, China has unlimited opportunities to repeatedly harm India's interests at the UN. No thank you to Nehru. And they are, China is the one who's stopping India's ro- entry into the UN. China is the same China who, who was given the seat at the hand of, the, of India. It's now doing everything to stop uh, India. No thank you to, Indi- to the, the Marxist Indian National Congress. Refusing the Sultan of Oman's gift to Gwadar port. The Sultan of Omar offered the port of Gwadar to India in 1958. Nehru rejected the offer. Pakistan subsequently bought the strategically located port, which today is the linchpin of China's CPEC segment of its massive Belt and Road project. And, and Rahul Gandhi wants us to vote for him. And here it is. Preventing Nepal from rejoining India. For those who don't know, in the early 1950s, Nepal king, Nepal's king, Tribhuvan offered to merge Nepal with India. However, for reasons best known to him, Nehru rejected the offer, spurning the opportunity to regain India's historic territory. Rejecting the U.S. Kennedy's number ten, rejecting U.S. President Kennedy's offer to help India become Asia's first nuclear power. Much before China became the first Asian nation to test a nuclear device, U.S. President Kennedy had offered to help India detonate one of one in Rajasthan desert. Kennedy sent 
P.M. Nehru uh, uh, handwritten notes making the offer. Kennedy's letter emphasized that nothing is more important than national security. Nehru turned down Kennedy's offer. Had Nehru accepted the offer of assistance, India would have been the first Asian nuclear power ahead of China. China would never have dared invade India in 1962, nor would Pakistan in 1965. Had Nehru accepted Kennedy's offer of assistance, India would not would have been a founding member of the nuclear supplier group. Number 11, my friends, signing the most unequal treaty in history. In 1960, PM Nehru, for the sake of friendship and goodwill, signed one of the most unequal and lopsided treaties ever, the Indus Valley Water Treaties, giving Pakistan ownership of three-fourths of the water that flows through the Indus system of rivers located in India. Pakistan reciprocated Nehru's goodwill gesture by invading India five years later. No thank you to Nehru. Yes, and they want us to vote for this gong show marauders every single year. If not, we're intolerant. We are hate speechers. We are bigots. We are bucks. We are what you might call it. We are fascists because we don't want to vote for this group of people, these Marxists who have done this. Just remember that the next time you take the name of the Indian National Congress. Giving up on Tibet's placing India's water security and northern border at China's mercy. When indications mounted that China under Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong was preparing to invade Tibet, Nehru refused to even contemplate the idea of using military force to deter the Chinese. The invasion eventually happened in 1950, rendering India's borders undemarked and insecure, and placing Tibet's immense water forces upon which India depends squarely in China's hands. Furthermore, Nehru did not make any effort to settle the border dispute with Chinese, which led to the 1962 war with China. And number 13, 1962 Himalayan blunder, the India-China war disaster. Nehru's inept myopic foreign policy, lack of foresight, harebrained for forward policy, and grounding of Indian Air Force led to India's humiliating defeat in 1962, war with China, and a loss of the Aksai Chin Peninsula, among several other territories. My dear friend, this is the India... Um, uh, this is the India that Nehru left us. And they want us to vote for him. They want the Indians, modern Indians, to vote for him. And their scourge and their way of, of, of forcing you or chastising you to belittle you, to degrade you, is calling you a bucked, a hate speecher, an intolerant, a fascist, because we don't want to give up our land like Nehru and destroy this country from the inside. Slowly by slowly, give this country away to the gongsho marauders that butchered us and lied to us and, 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 and destroyed our civilization through the academia, to keeping out our academia, uh, our knowledge of our Vedic ancestors, giving up our land, and the stupid, stupid uh, socialist policies, the myopic policies uh, that have left us uh, blindsided uh, for the last 75 years. This is thanks to Nero, and this, my dear friend, is the reason why um, this is the reason why we are where we are today, okay? Um, 
And it is important to understand that. Important to question it, important to research it, important to find the history behind it. Do your homework, my dear friends. It is very, very important uh, because that's what's going to get you to rise above the status, going to heal and to externalize, not just listening to me because it's very important. Um, one of the great blunders of Nehru is letting this Aryan invasion theory of the um, of the Abrahamic group, especially uh, the especially the the Islamic and the Christian groups, uh, use be used as uh, deception and character assassination. So, in order to character assassinate the Vedic civilization, okay, uh, they use the Aryan invasion theory, Aryan invasion, and Nehru and the Indian National Congress uh, let this be uh, let this be uh, sold to us and sold to the world so people think that we're invaders rather than the land of our ancestors a civilization that predates the, this procession cycle or at least that's what we think because we have territory here um, under at Dwarka below the sea that's more than 32,000 years old um, I'm going to read you a little bit about it. It is also from MyNation.com uh, and it is written also by Abhijit Chowda in 2018. I will read you of it um, and you can take your decision. Much of Maharashtra and Central India is characterized by hills and badlands that bear the distinctive telltale signs of ancient volcanism. This vast expanse is known as the Deccan Traps, like I mentioned yesterday. It at the center of the nastiest feud in science, the debate about what killed the dinosaurs. The mainstream consensus in Nobel laureate Luis Alvarez's famous back, bad weekend scenario, a big rock from the sky hits the dinosaurs and boom they go. The discovery of the 66 million year old Chicks Club crater was bolstered this territory credibly. One geologist, however, de degrees and said she endured decades of ridicule for it. Greta Keller argues that the Cretaceous polygon existent ever, dinosaur in extinction, was caused by a series of volcanic uh, uh, eruptions. The aforementioned the aforementioned Deccan traps and their environmental consequences. Keller has paid a deep price for her resistance to the Alvarez hypothesis. She has plowed a lonely furrow of bravely enduring insults, threats, slander, discrimination, and attempts to destroy her career. Her decades-long perseverance, however, has paid off. It is now widely accepted that the dinosaur extinction has been a cause of a combination of Deccan volcanism and Chicks Club impact event. The acrimony over what killed the dinosaurs is eerily similar to the nastiest feud in the study of ancient history that over the identity of the origin of the people of the ancient Indus Valley civilization, a more appropriate name for which is the Sindhu Saraswati civilization. 
Ever since the German Orientalist uh, Max Müller proposed the Aryan invasion theory and arbitrarily assigned a date to 1500 BCE of the Rig Vedas, the consensus among mainstream historians have been that India's indigenous people were dark-skinned Dravidians who built the Ivy Indus Valley civilization and the Sanskrit-speaking Vedic Hinduism practiced lighter-skinned Aryans invaded from Central Asian steppes, destroyed the civilization, subjugated and imposed Hinduism and the caste system throughout India. Even though the caste system is Vedic, uh, sorry, is, uh, is Latin, the word caste is Latin. The Aryan invasion theory is essentially a bad weekend scenario of history. Big bad horse riding Aryans invaded Dravidians and down they go. The 16th century narrative is still thought as facts in Indian textbooks, albeit with a twist, because archaeologists failed to discover a single sign of evidence of the invasion after over a century of searching. It is now claimed that the Aryans migrated to India. On the other hand, soon after India's independence, evidence began to emerge in the, that invalidated the theory of the Aryan invasion and migration from outside geographical realm of India's civilization. In fact, the evidence to the population expansion westwards from within India, the evidence kept accumulating, and its pace picked up decades went, as its pace picked up, decades went by. Linguistic evidence, archaeological evidence, literary evidence, evidence of a cultural continuity that spans seven millennia. Hydrological evidence of a long dead mighty river. Uh, hydronyms, toponyms, demonyms, evidence from ancient myths that bridge the vast expanse between India and Ireland. Too much evidence, in fact, to present here. I've written, um, I, the author has written an overview here if you may, if you choose to read it. Scholars such as Bilal, David Frawley, Conrad Els, Shrikant Talagre, Michael Danino, S.R. Rao, Subash Kak, Nicholas Kassans, among others, uh, contributed in various ways to the discovery of this evidence. In the 21st century, the genetic evidence began to emerge that started dismantling what remained of the Aryan invasion theory. All this evidence points in the same direction, that rather than India being invaded by Aryans for around 1500 BCE, it was ancient Indians who expanded eastward, westwards around 2500 BCE. A massive, rapid, male-mediated Demek uh, expansion and brought Indo-European languages, culture and genes throughout Europe as far west as the British Isles. Yet this veritable avalanche of evidence has been studiously ignored for decades by Western academics as well as India's state-sponsored Marxism academic establishment led by none other than Prime Minister, the first Prime Minister of um, uh, modern India, um, from the Jawaharlal Nehru. Okay. Um, yet, uh, sorry, like Kalam, many of the above mentioned scholars were marginalized by India's entrenched Marxist establishment. Their works relegated to scholarly journals. 
banished from India's textbooks. Some were ridiculed. Some were abused and harassed. Attempts were made to bribe others with various inducements. The attacks still continue in various forms. One recently, only recently, when social media revolutionized public discourse in India and gave citizens a voice for the first time in millennium, did they work? Did their work become widely available to the Indian public? The avalanche of evidence that falsifies the Aryan invasion theory that has understandably perturbed and non-pulsed the Marxist establishment that has allied with a left liberal secular ecosystem whose writ went unchallenged for decades. In 2015, it was announced that a team of archaeologists led by Vasan Shinde had discovered four well-preserved, nearly 4,500-year-old skeletons in the Aryan Rakshagari village, which is location of the uh, Indus Valley Civilization largest known site. They, beca they became the team ever to successfully, the first team to extract DNA from the bones. What followed was a long wait for the results to be published, a wait that apparently will soon come to fruition. The discovery sent the ecosystem into panic. It responded by unleashing the full power of the media machinery at the, its disposable. disposable. A motley assortment of evident journalists suddenly metamorphosed sorry about that, into experts and began weighing on the topic. People like Shoaib Daniel, Tony Joseph, Hartosh Bal, Girish Shahane, Arun Puri, Kai Frias, and, who, who, and others whom would normally not associate with anything scientific or historical. Reams of questionable news began being published in frenzied and choreographed attempts to misinform the public and bury facts and scientific evidence under the deluge of propaganda. The modus operandi is simple. Seize upon every small incremental news item, story, or rumor about Rakhi Gari and or anything associated with it, misinterpret it in such a way that it appears to support the Aryan invasion theory. I have in the past debunked attempts of by this propagandist to settle the Aryan invasion debate and to mis and, and to misinform the public about results of archaeology. Um, uh, to, that has been there to misinform the public about results of archaeogenetic archeo uh, study of 612 ancient individuals. A new, a new article appeared on August 31st, a rambling, incoherent piece littered with thinly disguised anti-Hindutva incentive in which author Kai Fryas attempts to preempt the publication of the Rakhigari DNA results and claim that the evidence will unsettle in Hindutva nationalists. In the article, Fries cites a range of experts and influential people such as Max Müller, Dayananda, Saraswati, Bal Gangadhar Tilak, uh, M.S. Golvakar, Swami Vivekananda, Sri Aurobindo, Sanjeev Sanyal, David Reich, David Frawley, and Romila Thakur in an attempt to appear balanced and neutral. The article uh, um, suffers from numerous glaring deficiencies, which, I, which we will go through quickly. Uh, the the article reference a study references a study not yet published. Uh, so what article are these people talking about when they want to debunk the um, 
Aryan invasion um, theory of India not being invaded, India being invaded by Aryans. The Indian, okay, that's one. So the second one, the article presents DNA profile of a single individual as being representative of the entire IBC population. Even if we, we take these claims about the study's finds at face value, there's inconvenient fact that the study refers to a single DNA sample. The Indian Indus Valley civilization is believed to have been a population of about 5 million inhabitants at its peak. Clearly, one needs to study at least several hundred ancient DNA samples collected from across the civilization's enormous geography in order to form a reasonably good idea of its inhabitants. Third, Indus Valley uh, burials probably represent first-generation immigrants. It is known that the burying and cremation are not mutually exclusive in uh, Indus Valley society. There's evidence of burial of skeleton bones after cremation and also symbolic burials in which the bones were completely absent. However, moreover, it's very strong evidence that cemetery burial was limited exclusively to first-generation immigrants in Indus Valley society. Therefore, there is therefore strong possibility that the DNA retrieved from IBC burials may not represent the IBC population at all. The DNA does not reveal a person's language or religion. So one need not be a scientist to understand that a person's DNA does not reveal the languages they spoke or the religions they practice. If a French person learns to speak Hindi, does it alter her DNA? It does not. If a missionary converts an Indian personality to Christianity, does it convert the person's DNA too? It does not. But however, the Marxists uh, you know, sell this theory that uh, they know from the DNA what language they spoke. So, the fifth one is R1A1 is not an Aryan gene. So the R1A1 halogroup is found in approximately 17% of Indian males. It is found in, in high frequencies in northern Indians as well as southern Indians in northeastern Indians, in northeastern Indians in tribal communities and lower section of society. It is found in high frequencies than national average. Uh, in, in the Saharia tribe of Madhya Pradesh and the Chenchu tribe of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana. All communities of Indians uh, carry this distinctive mutation even though those per perceived to be Dravidians or lower class tribes. But since these claims, since claims that Dravidian Dalits and Scheduled tribes are, in, are indigenous pre-Aryan people, according to his own logic and terminology, the Aryan R1A1 should be called the pre-Aryan gene. So again, the sixth one, R1A1 did not originate in the steppe, it originated in India. The study um, published in the journal um, nature clearly establishes that the R1A1 originated in India and is at least 18,000 years old, possibly up to 44,000. The more recent study, this more recent study concludes that the R1A1 originated in India and at least 15,000 years old. These studies establish a source that the R1A1 family that conquered the world. These findings falsify free claim that R1A1 originated in the Central Asian steppes. Uh, yes, R1A1 did exist in the Central Asian steppe, but it reached here from India.
Um, another another uh, falsehood is the ad hominian attacks and insinuations about Indian scientists. Um, so a Marxist scientist, uh, Thierry Fries, accuses uh, Shinde of dissembling or threatening and arm-twisting the American genetic, uh, genetist David Dreich over the access to I, uh, Indian Vedic Indus Valley civilization samples and are forcing him to change terminology in a paper that was co-authored. This is another attempt at character assassination, my friend, of the Marxist group of anyone who provides a different theory than them. It's called supremacy. Uh, David uh, Rice, David, uh, sorry, the Marxist also uh, well-known, uh, David Wright, also well-known pro proponent of the Aryan invasion theory. He is infamous for making political remarks about Hindutva and implicitly comparing it to the Nazi ideology. Let it be clear, a signer should never dabble in politics because it compromises his or her objectivity objectivity as well as credibility. Nearly all Western researchers, be they geneticists or historians, support the Aryan invasion theory, either implicitly or explicitly. So do most Indian researchers who work abroad. It is India-based researchers who have begun to expressively express who have begun to express themselves freely of late. Indian scientists have been asserting that the Aryan invasion never happened and backing up the assertions with research data, the hydronym Saraswati, long taboo in academia, has started appearing in scientific literature. Um, thus, as this paper uh, published in the world's preeminent scientific journal, the Marxist stranglehold is slowly being dismantled and genuine fact-based research is, gra is gradually beginning to flourish. Uh, David Fleisch, uh, sorry, uh, is uh, quoted and championing his research and opinions reveal a hidden nexus between India's Marxist academia, Western pro-Aryan invasion theory academics, and India's mainstream media. Uh, so, to summarize, it's a litany of lies in initiations and character assassination. It's a poor attempt at propaganda. It has no basis for the truth. And this, my dear friends, is the heritage that Pandit Nehru left us. Uh, he's supposed to be a, a descent of Kashmir. He's a Kashmiri Pandit. Uh, he is one of the worst representative of the Kashmiri Pandits um, and of uh, the Indian subcontinent. Uh, a lot of our issues and problems are because of him and his family who have descended and, uh, and, and taken this country uh, from 333 million in 1946 to 1.4 billion in 19 in 2022. Um, but it is for you to know these points. I'm going to leave a copy of this uh, this article in my in my Facebook page. I hope that you would go there and take a look at it uh, because it is absolutely beautiful important to read gain knowledge you can research it it's very very important and uh, yes absolutely it is time that uh, you know we do a lot more research if we want to raise this Vedic civilization um, and uh, be better heal as I like to say 
and and go from there so thank you again one more time for your time your support um, I hope you have a great great day um, and I hope you have a great weekend ahead if you do not hear from me it is because I am on holiday uh, for three days and hopefully we'll be back much more rejuvenated than um, than we've left. So thank you once again for your time. Have yourself a great weekend. Cheers and stay safe, everyone.